Well, after a, a long uh, hiatus from the book of Deuteronomy, we return finally today. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for your patience and waiting on it. Um, last time we were in Deuteronomy was the end of January, and I know you understand uh, why often it's been helpful to, to be able to do topical sermons, because I, I, I do a lot more careful focus of all the context when it's not topical, and I, I have a lot more commentaries I want to read through to check my work. So by God's grace, I've been able to catch up on the last few weeks. And uh, we return to Deuteronomy this morning. Uh, I'll explain, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a review after we read the scripture, so we have a little bit of better sense of context since it's been a while. Uh, but we are going to read today verses 23 through 31 of chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 23 through 31. Hear now the word of the Lord. And it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, Why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say and speak thou unto us All that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they uh, have spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me. And keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go say to them, get you into your tents again. But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. May the Lord bless the reading, the hearing, the believing, the loving, and the obeying of God's holy word. Well, again, the last sermon in this series of Deuteronomy was in late January. I again thank you for your patience as I wanted to make sure I had enough time to do the same study I always do for the exegetical series. I want to give you a little bit of a review of the book, not so much what happens uh, at, through some of the latter parts. Uh, in the first sermon on Deuteronomy, I gave you a sense of its overall organization and structure. I'll, I'll touch on that now. I want to review with you that the book of Deuteronomy is a, a covenant peace treaty. It's a covenant renewal pre- peace treaty. As we look at the specifics of the organization, it's very much like the Ten Commandments, which is also that kind of uh, smaller version of the peace treaty. Uh, given at Mount Sinai, repeated here at the plains of Moab as they're about to go into the promised land, the second generation of the covenant. When they were children, beginning of chapter 5 says, I actually spoke this to you more than your parents. So now they're adults with their children about to go in. And so he reminds them who they are. He reminds them that his law for his people still remains as a way of life which is a way of saying, I remain your covenant God to the church. I'm always with you. Like we saw the light in Exodus uh, with the pure oil was to shine forever. His presence never leaves. Uh, Like the burning bush, his presence never leaves, but he is this consuming fire. Moses took off his sandals before the Lord, holy ground by God's special manifestation. And here they are being reminded uh, of that God is holy and that they ask for him to be a mediator because of that. So following the organization of this peace treaty, uh, it has a preamble stating the relationship between God as the king and his people. And this is a mirroring covenant peace treaties of the ancient Near East. Uh, 
Then there was a historical prologue. And remember, that was long. It was like most of the first four chapters, a historical prologue. It's getting into the beginning of chapter 5. Then there are the general stipulations, the general rules of the king to his people. I am your king. I am your savior. I am your ruler. Here's how you will live as my covenant people, under my protection, but also under my law. And that's the Ten Commandments we just finished in chapter 5. Um, before we needed to take a break. Uh, We're still in that section. Once we get to chapter 6, after one more sermon in Deuteronomy 5, it begins the more specific details of the Ten Commandments. And so you're going to notice the first commandment is going to be expounded upon by Moses, and then the second, and then the third. We'll notice how each of these larger sections, starting in chapter 6, are uh, teaching in more detail how to live and apply each of the Ten Commandments as the people of God. But before we get there, we hear a little bit more about the Ten Commandments. The last sermon on verse 22 of chapter 5 was that the law is perfect and permanent. There was a review by Moses uh, that it was written by God. It was written in stone. Different than ceremonial and judicial laws that pass in the coming of Christ in specifics for the most part, that the general equity applies. Uh, the moral law is different. It always is the same. That's important to remember with the, with the fourth commandment, too. It's from, it's from Genesis. It's before this temporary uh, things with ceremonial shadows. Um, the moral law remains. It's always, uh, it's always abiding as God's people, and it's always something we are expected to live as his people. We're thankful that Christ lived it out for us to give us his righteousness, to have heaven, and died for us that we wouldn't die because he paid the penalty for violating it. Keep that in mind because today their concern is God just read the Ten Commandments to us and we're afraid we're going to die because of God, because of his voice, his greatness, his glory, his holiness. And there's a real understanding of we, we can't stand before God. We can't have God speak to us directly. We'll die. And therefore they ask for a mediator now and Christ Uh, is typified by Moses. God is pleased that they ask for this, and he provides Moses to be that mediator. And in particular today, to speak to the people about his commands, to speak them about his way of life for these people who are in covenant with him. God's people should have a filial fear of him and a need for his mediator to communicate his commands to them. I give you that as the general idea of our text uh, we've selected today. God's people should have a filial fear of him and thus a need for his mediator to communicate his commands to them. God is particularly emphasizing today in our text, you need Jesus to be your mediator, the God-man. You need a go-between with God, even simply to hear his commands to hear uh, what he would have you do and live. It's not only that Christ's mediation is to represent the people of God for life, which we tend to emphasize and appropriately so, but it's also, the mediation of Christ is also to represent God to the people and how they should live and how they should be living. Christ's mediation is for you to live and live for the Lord. And that's the sermon message for you today from the text. Christ's mediation is for you to live and live for the Lord. Direct contact with a holy God will bring you death as an unholy people. Even the giving of his commandments. Direct contact with a holy God will bring you death as an unholy people. So there are... Their response to God, giving these words of life, is afraid of death because he's perfectly holy and they're sinful. Makes you think of Peter's responding to Jesus when Jesus commands Peter to cast the net again, though nothing was happening, and, and, and then they bring in a whole bunch of fish, almost brings down the boats, and the nets are filled, almost breaking. But what is Peter's response to Jesus? It's, it's kind of surprising, I think, at first, but it's appropriate. What does he say to Jesus? He doesn't say, wow, that's amazing. Woo, we're going to eat good tonight. What does he say? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
He sees the glorious power of Jesus Christ and he's afraid. He's afraid of his holiness and his power. And he says, I shouldn't have you near me. I'm sinful. I'm afraid I'll die. And the people here today are being reminded of when God first gave them the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, they're being reminded that they had a fear of the holy and powerful manifestation of God and a concern that his direct presence would destroy them. That's kind of the impetus of all that follows. Let's look at verses 23 to 26. And it came to pass when ye heard the voice uh, out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Look back with me to chapter 4, verse 33. Similar concern. Chapter 4, 33. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as thou hast heard and lived? This is Moses reminding them in the historical prologue, and he gives a great amount of attention to the fact that God was in your midst. You heard his voice. You didn't see him. That's important. You don't see him. No representations of God, uh, of, of, of a person. But you heard his voice, and his power and his glory was manifested in a fire. And he says, whoever hears God's voice and lives. There's a real sense of an appreciation for God's holiness And what that should do to people, even now in covenant through the blood of the Lamb, how that should affect them. There's a significant way that should affect us, beloved, how we approach worship before we ever sit down. And how we stay silent and we don't whisper between one another. We stay silent and we pray to God through the mediator Jesus Christ and have a real sense of his holiness. And a real sense of we should be getting ready to listen to him and be thankful he isn't going to kill us. In his, just the expression of, his, of who he is. There's a real way that should affect the way we approach God and appreciate him. Notice I said earlier with a filial fear. Fear of him as our Holy Father, but yet a recognition. He's good, but he's not safe for a sinner to be in his presence. We need a mediator. It reflects on the fall of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had direct, direct contact with God, spoke with God. God walked and talked with them in the garden. But then the walking and the talking becomes fearful and they hide. They hide their nakedness and they hide themselves. Why? Because they just have an innate sense that because of their sin, God's presence will kill them. And they are told to leave the garden. And the way back into the Garden of Eden is blocked by angels with flaming swords of fire for their own protection. They can't have direct, immediate access to God as fallen, sinful people. God's holiness will kill our sinfulness, but we go with it. P.C. Craigie says this, The words give some insight to the people's concept of the reality and awesomeness of their God. It was the exceptional occurrence that terrified the people and reminded them of their mortality. And before we go on in their request, and God approves of their request, by approving of their request, he is approving of their fear of him. He is approving of their reverence and awe and even being terrified of his presence as they think about themselves in direct presence without a mediator. Romans three twenty three and 24. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Death 
should be your clear concern in the presence of God without Christ's mediation. We've recently, uh, my wife particularly, has seen some suggestions of we don't need to be worried about being associated with Halloween. It doesn't matter, every day is the same, although the Bible says the days are evil. Their argument is every day is good, can't be evil because it's God's day. No, God calls things evil and refers to our days as evil. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6. We're to have not even the appearance of evil. There has to be concerned a concern about death, not a celebration of it but a celebration of life and that God should kill us because of our sin. It shouldn't be something celebrated but repented of. People need to know we're sinners. People need to be afraid of judgment. There's certainly a way for it to be represented, but people should be afraid of God without Jesus Christ. You sinners, we sinners are dead before God's holiness without Jesus. Thus, you have a need for a mediator between you and God to communicate and live. Direct contact with a holy God will bring you death as an unholy people. Thus, you have a need for a mediator between you and God to communicate and live. Like Isaiah 6. Isaiah, being in God's thrice holy presence, right? The angels say of God, holy, holy, holy art thou God almighty. And that's what they're experiencing, his special manifestation of Mount Sinai. Not only giving his laws, but giving a sense of himself that they've been distanced from. And they are afraid. And so Isaiah, when he sees the altar and he recognizes, he says, God is holy. And what does he say? All right. No, he says, woe is me. He has goosebumps. He's afraid to be in God's presence. And he's the prophet of God. Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I'm in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And the answer is what? God sends an angel with the coal from the altar to give life. A sense of mediation again. The people request that Moses be a mediator between them and God, simply to communicate his commands to them. And God approves and provides Moses for them. Let's look at verse 27 through 31. Excuse me. They said they're afraid to die. So then what is their answer? What is their solution to this problem? Go thou near And hear all that the Lord our God shall say. And speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto me. They have have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go say to them, get ye into your tents again. But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. So what do we see here? God approves of this response, and he grants that he will speak to them through Moses. He grants that they will have a mediator to receive his commandments from him. Look ahead to chapter 18, verse 17, for a similar thought here. Uh, Up ahead to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 17. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. And then there is that testimony, uh, that prophecy ahead that he will provide the prophet like Moses, who is Jesus Christ, the last prophet, the prophet of the church as she receives things in her fullness. But it's good. It's good that they wanted this. 
Verse 16, they said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore, that I die not. And again, Moses is telling them, God said, It's good that you have this recognition, and he will ultimately send you Jesus Christ. That's the prophet spoken of in verse 18. The mediator to speak to you God's commandments in your flesh, representing you as Moses, to protect you from God's direct presence. Without Christ, you can't handle it. You'll die. Because the law condemns. We're already condemned in death. But the law condemns without Jesus Christ. With Christ, there's no condemnation. Outside of it, the law will condemn. We need a mediator. Notice the regular refrain in the text in verse 24, 25, 27. The Lord our God. So they're speaking, understanding themselves as a covenant people. They're speaking, understanding the the Paschal Lamb already. They're understanding that God is giving them his law because they're his special people to be a peculiar people in this world. Priests, kings as a holy nation. They're recognizing this. And so in verse 32, we'll look at next week, Moses says, the Lord your God. There is an understanding of a relationship here already, and yet they still understand they should die. They should have a holy sense of God and how the law condemns them to death without Christ. And even receiving the law, they need Christ. They need a go-between. They need a mediator. There's a covenantal context, and yet there's a need for a mediator of this covenant. We're not to presume upon God. We're not to be careless and uh, casual and cavalier about approaching God ever, ever. And even in heaven, in God's direct presence, and around the throne, around the Lamb who is there, there is worship, holy, reverent worship. Not the way that many churches, sadly many reformed, are preparing their people to approach God and act around God. There should always be reverence. Always appreciation for the Lamb, which is why we can approach God in heaven in Revelation. After God speaks directly to them, they desire Moses to be a spokesperson for the expounding of God's law. As God will go on to remind them of all these ways the law applies, he, they want Moses to tell them directly. They don't want God to tell them directly. And God says this is a good thing. Yes, you need a mediator. God says, therefore, yes, tell them to go in their tents and wait. I'll speak to you directly, and then you come and give these laws to them. It's appropriate to recognize and have a fear of dying in God's presence and therefore need a mediator. The emphasis here is preparing us to recognize our need for Jesus Christ and never to approach God without him in prayer, never to think we should try to serve him in any way or serve him by his Ten Commandments without prayer in Christ and his mediation of the blood of the everlasting covenant. We need him to represent us as our high priest in heaven and speak to us as our mediatorial prophet and king from heaven in our flesh to us. He is the veil to get us to God. He's the way that we can receive anything from God and not perish. John D. Currid writes this, The verb to hear or listen uh, appears six times in the passage, and it reflects the transition from God speaking directly to the people to Moses acting as intercessor. God now sanctions and formalizes Moses' role as covenant mediator, intercessor, and law mediator. Moses is acting as a covenant mediator and being the spokesman for God to the people. While this extraordinary phenomenon solicits the people's fear and desire to listen and obey, yet uh, P.C. Craigie says uh, it shows their need for reverence in the more mundane affairs of daily life. Because what are the Ten Commandments and what is their exposition? But how we should live all moments of our lives, every day in the the minutia of life, which is frankly outside of corporate worship, the way we serve God. Living his ways, living for him. And so we should have a sense of fear at every moment in how we would receive God's word, how we would take it seriously and live and obey it. And isn't that God's concern in the text that we don't give as much attention to? But the concern is God himself says, oh, that they would have a heart like this and do it all the time. Recognizing they won't. Because we don't fear God. We don't have a sense of proper holy fear And we don't receive his commandments from him as a holy God. We take advantage of Christ. We presume upon his grace as mediator. And we think the law isn't significant for us. When in fact, 
God calls us to live it. And we need to be concerned to live it as we're told how to live it and receive it as we're told to receive it with fear and awe and thanksgiving that God gives it to us through a mediator so it doesn't kill us in condemnation. Remembering that the Lord Jesus also lived it perfectly on our behalf. Serve Jesus as your Lord in all of life. You've been given life. You are called to live it in fear and reverence and obedience in every area, every moment, every second night and day of your living life. Thankful that the end of your life will not end in hell for the failure to do that perfectly. But because Christ's perfect obedience as your mediator telling you to live it now, out of gratitude, you are not kept out. Victor Hamilton says, not only does this giving of the Decalogue again remind that there is one law for all generations. Remember, this is the second generation. It's the same law. It's God's law always. And may I emphasize, including the fourth commandment. But that would also have an application on how we do not teach our children to celebrate death tomorrow. We celebrate Jesus today and thinking of the Reformation anniversary tomorrow and we thank God for sparing us death and giving us life through the mediator who calls on us to live like it. Calls on us to give a holy witness to the world around us such as our uh, second to youngest son at shopping yesterday when the very nice lady well-meaning said, what are you going to do for Halloween? And the answer was, we're Christians so we don't do Halloween. It wasn't done in disrespect. It was done out of the mouth of babes. But it isn't just that there's one law for every generation. It also is showing us that there is only one mediator for all generations in service to God. The Lord Jesus Christ, who Moses is typifying here. Every generation of the church needs a mediator. And not to forget it. And to receive from God. They are receiving from God through mediation so they don't die by what they receive of his presence. Psalm 2. We sang Psalm 110, Psalm 2, the other particularly quoted psalm about Jesus in the New Testament. Psalm 2, verses 11 to 12. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Revelation 14 verse 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea And the fountains of waters. The point of being redeemed is to serve the Redeemer. And you can only serve through the Redeemer. Jesus Christ is your only mediator with God. And it includes hearing how to live. Direct contact with a holy God will bring you death as an unholy people. Thus, you have a need for a mediator between you and God to communicate and live. Jesus Christ is your only mediator with God, and it includes hearing how to live. Not just how to be given eternal life, but how to live in the meantime. Think of the mediation of a lawyer settling out of court. Taking away potential of total punishment, but also bringing to the client the clear expectations from the other party of how to move forward in living out the rules as agreed upon. The mediator usually is bringing that first back to the person. Mediation is not only Christ communicating with God to cover our sins, but it's with us in how to live for being forgiven of our sins and being given a life to live as his citizens. Mediation is not only to avoid death, but to hear and do a life for God through Jesus. Look at verse 27. 
Go thou near, and hear all that the Lord our God shall say. And speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. They're asking for a mediator. They're asking for Moses to be the go-between, the mediator. Not just to represent them because of their sins, but to represent God to them because of his holiness and the danger of death by mixing the two in the same midst. They're asking for a mediator. Verse 29, God speaking, oh, that there were such. And actually, I want to look at verse 28 first. God speaking, the Lord heard the voice of your words when he spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken to thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Verse 31. But as for thee, stand thou here by me. Of course, verse 30, he says, tell them to go in their tents. I won't be directly communicating anymore. And then verse 30, go say, excuse me, verse 30, go say to them, get you into your tents again. And then verse 31 But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may go do them in the land which I give them to possess it. Look back to chapter 4, verse 40. Chapter 4, verse 40. Thou shalt keep, therefore, his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children for thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. But notice that he's commanding them uh, what they should do as they receive it from him who has received it from God for their own benefit that they wouldn't die but live. Notice the emphasis that we will hear you, we, we will hear God, we will keep what he says, we will do what he says. Notice, as we've seen so often before in the Pentateuch and of course all through scripture, true hearing God is to keep what God says to do. We often say to our children and others, I can tell you're not really listening because you're not doing what I said. Maybe you heard it, but you didn't really hear it because you're not keeping it. Hearing is particularly clear to be true by keeping. That you would keep this spirit and live God's ways that your life would be good. This phrase, this idea is represented in Psalm 81.13, Isaiah 48.18, Matthew 23.37, Luke 19.42. Moses is a type of Christ, the true mediator, the only mediator between God and man, men, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. What God is preparing us here for is you need Jesus Christ to be mediator between you and God. Look ahead with me to Galatians 3. You can, we're not going to go back to this text directly. We're going to go to two New Testament texts now. We're going to go to Galatians, and then we're going to go to Revelation. Turn with me first to Galatians. We're going to see uh, some things said about the mediator, Jesus Christ. And then we're going to go to uh, Hebrews for more. Right before Ephesians, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, we're going to read 19 to 23, verses 19 to 23 of Galatians chapter 3. Wherefore then serveth the law? Now remember, this is all about the receiving of the law. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. 
The law is given to us by the mediator. We're protected from its condemnation by the mediator, but it's also given as promises from God through the mediator, through Jesus. Jesus is the mediator who brings God's commands to you to live his law in life because he has given you life in himself. Look ahead with me now to the letter to the Hebrews, beginning with chapter 3. We're going to see a number of things said about Christ as the mediator, Moses as the type of him, uh, given to us today to prepare us for Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ is a son after his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So Jesus is uh, the antitype. Moses is the type. And in this case, particularly the idea of Moses being a mediator. Jesus is the true mediator. Look ahead with me to chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. Hebrews four thirteen to 16. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need." We are to fear God, but we are to come to God boldly. Why? Because of our mediator, Jesus Christ, representing us in our humanity. Because of his blood cleansing us of our sins, and also because he is the one that gives us the commands to to know how to live for him through God as our mediator. Look to chapter 8 with me. Chapter 8, verse 6. Hebrews 8, verse 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Again, Moses and this system is pointing ahead to Jesus, the better mediator, the better promises. And now look ahead to chapter 9, verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, that is his death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal life. Moses is ultimately being used, requested by the people. They're understanding they need a mediator. God is providing him to be the mediator, to point us ahead, looking ahead to Jesus, the only true final mediator of eternal life. But of course, he gives that in part by living the law perfectly on our behalf to credit us with his righteousness. Now I'll turn ahead, especially for the direct comparison of these issues that's being spoken of by Moses and how we are to apply this truth. Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 28. Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 28. Verse 18 of Hebrews 12. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. Speaking of Mount Sinai when they got the Ten Commandments. And the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Sion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, that is Jesus the mediator. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. So notice, we are compelled to continue to fear God and have reverence and continue to approach God and receive his commandments in word, listening more closely, being more obedient because of Jesus, representing us in the flesh in heaven, receiving the word of God, not from Mount Sinai, but from Mount Zion, directly in God's presence, with our humanity directly in God's presence, allowing us to approach God as sinners, because of his mediation as high priest, but also speaking to us with even more authority and power, that we should take him even more seriously with reverence and awe, and serve him, and receive his commands the same. But the glorious thing is that we can. We can approach the throne of God with confidence, seeking grace in our time of need, because of Jesus Christ in our flesh, yet who didn't sin. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life as our mediator in our flesh he gives eternal life abundant life here and commands of the fullness of living god's law in love such as his sermon on the mount which doesn't take away but intensifies understanding not only outwardly but especially inwardly how to live out god's law in every jot and tittle But he is the representation, the mediator of God from heaven, now on earth, God incarnate, God speaking even closer in our presence, in the flesh on earth before us. And his his sermon is mostly about how to live his way, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Further, what is the great commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew? Teach them to obey everything I have told you. We need to remember that when often we lose visitors because they don't really want to hear some of God's word and commands. But Christ says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. With the promise, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. He's the mediator. He makes this possible. He makes it possible to hear God's law and seek to live it. And in heaven we'll do this perfectly. Because of him. And his law, because of him, does not condemn you. Jesus, here today, in your presence, is giving you God's commands. And through him, you can hear them and not die, but live through and for him. You will live this law perfectly in heaven, where Jesus now represents you as mediator in your flesh. Moses typifying him. And Jesus represents God to you as citizens of the kingdom of heaven on earth. He tells you, as God in your flesh, as mediator, how to live the life he has given you. He not only spares you death, he gives you life and the way to live it. Christ's mediation is for you to live and live for the Lord. 
Again, that is the message for you this morning from the text. Christ's mediation is for you to live and live for the Lord. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord God, for the mediator, Jesus Christ, who represents us to you in heaven through himself, paying for our sins against your law, but also who represents you speaking to us about your law, allowing us to hear it and not die, to receive and live it more and more according to your grace and love. Help us, O Lord, to approach your throne seeking grace, mercy, in our time of need, that we would live for you better, that we would fear and reverence you, especially here in worship, and hear and keep and do. Oh, we pray, Lord, similarly as you yourself, Lord God, said, oh, that we would have such a spirit all the time. We pray through Jesus Christ, the priest after the order of Melchizedek, the king of Salem. In Psalm 110, verse 4, that verse 3 would be the case. By his mediation, you have made us a willing people. In the life you give us in Christ, that you would give us a life to live in and through Christ, as we would receive your word and you would cause us to fear you and desire to live it with a clean conscience before the living God and marvel that we do not die, but we live because of the mediation of Christ. And let us take the speaking and giving of your law just as seriously and with reverence, because you are still a consuming fire. And let us be thankful that we are not consumed while you give us your law and speak to us as your people because of Jesus Christ, our mediator. Let his mediation not only show us that we live, but how to live for you, O Lord. We pray your blessing on us this day as we would return home, that we would be thankful for our mediator, that we would always remember our need for a mediator, mediator even just the, uh, the mediation of Christ, simply to continue to receive your word, to receive your commands, and be given the living spirit to live them. Bless us, we pray, through Jesus Christ. Speak to us through Jesus Christ, and through Jesus Christ, let us hear. Let us love. Let us have faith. Let us obey. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We hear from and through him from the Lord, our God. And we pray in Jesus' name and all your people said, Amen. Beloved, we will now celebrate and partake of the Lord's Supper together. As it's the end of the month, I'll be... uh, giving giving the Lord's Supper in, in the brief manner, and uh, ask the elders to come forward uh, uh, to help me, assist me in serving you the body and blood of your Lord. While they're coming forward, would you turn, uh, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, excuse me, I mean to say chapter 11. First Corinthians 11, beginning with verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, when he had supped saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we come to you through the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the only mediator between God and men. We come to you through his body and blood to be thanking you and be refreshed in you and to receive your commands through Christ, our mediator. Pray that you would cleanse us, renew us, and strengthen us, that we would serve you, knowing we are not condemned, but we are called to sin no more. O Lord, we do revere you and thank you for such deliverance and such commands that would keep us on the straight and narrow, with our eyes on Christ in heaven, and our eyes mindful not to be led astray to the broad way that leadeth to destruction. O Lord, we pray your blessing now on this bread and wine as we uh, take it from a common use to a sacramental use to remember Jesus Christ and his body and blood. And we pray your blessing upon this bread and wine and our partaking of it in fellowship with you. As you remind us, we can approach God without fear of death. We can approach you through Jesus Christ because of the blood of the everlasting covenant. Through Jesus Christ, who is the veil to the true holy of holies. But we can come only through him. And so remind us, we have such a mediator in Jesus Christ alone. And Lord, remind us of your love and that our love of you is to keep your commandments. Bless our partaking now. Cleanse us of our sins. Renew and refresh us in our salvation. That we may serve the living God with a clear conscience. And we pray in Jesus' name and all your people said, Amen. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk.
In the same manner, your Savior also took the cup. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. So I, having, minist uh, having ministered in his name, ministering in his name, and having prayed, give this cup to you. The elders will now serve you the blood of Christ. Please wait again to partake together. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Christ, your mediator, says, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the remission of your sins. As often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. Beloved, let us pray, and then we will sing Psalm 117 together, and then receive his benediction. Let us pray. O oh Lord God, we thank you for this great pledge of our salvation and our security through Jesus Christ, our mediator, our prophet, priest, and king. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for representing us before God through your blood, letting us talk to God letting us sense to draw near to God. Thank you also for speaking to us in our humanity on behalf of God that we can receive it without being killed, but be encouraged in reverence and awe to live the life you've given us. Not only thankful for eternal life, but living a more abundant life in the meantime. Thank you for being our mediator, the only one who could, fully God, fully man, called by God himself. Oh Lord, we think of even in Hebrews 5 where it is Psalm 110 and I think and 2 that also are the prophecy of why you are called by God and no one makes themselves a priest, even you. God called you with an official anointing. And so we are shown in every way, you alone are mediator, and that we need you to mediate. We thank you for the reminder that your mediation of your body and blood, your ministry of the risen Lord in heaven, representing us in the flesh, speaking to us through the flesh, that you have made yourself the veil into the Holy of Holies. And we do look forward to your return. And even in participating, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And in the meantime, we say, Jesus is Lord, our Lord, and we will serve you. Lord, we do thank you for creating us a right spirit, creating in us a clean heart, 
And we pray also, O Lord, thanksgiving that you would restore unto us the joy of our salvation. That we will cheerfully be the light of the world as you shine through us in this dark world as stars pointing to the sun. Bless us, Lord, in our mercy and forgiveness through you to better receive through you your commands. For you tell us we are not condemned and also to go and sin no more. As you suffered body and spirit on the cross and protected us from eternal death in hell, body and soul. So, Lord, help us to beat our bodies into submission and take every thought captive under the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in your holy name. And all your people said, Amen.